This is Lindy Kaiser. Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Podcast. We're very excited to have with us today William Henderson. He's had a 35-year career in security and counterintelligence and has been a partner to Clearance Jobs, providing us great content and information and resources for a number of years. He's worked for the Defense Investigative Service, also the Defense Security Service. We asked him to chat with us today just to kind of get a little bit more information about all of the news that's out there about the Defense Security Service potentially taking back over control of its investigations, which is the vast majority of investigations that are conducted, uh, the 2017 National Defense Authorization Act contained language requiring the Department of Defense to develop a plan to take over its own investigation. Secretary of Defense James Mattis approved that plan, and DSS seems very primed to take over those investigations with a lot of momentum to do so, obviously pending congressional approval. What do you see as some of the possible benefits of DSS taking over those investigations? No, a lot of it is going to depend on on how they choose to do it. As I said, one of the problems that previously existed has gone away, which is the computer aspect of it. That now is being run by Defense Manpower Data Center under the Defense Information Security Systems. So everything, all the processing, all the computer maintenance, software maintenance, all of that is now being done by another agency with expertise on how to do that. DSS tried to do it on their own and they, they failed miserably back in 1998. So that problem no longer exists. If they choose to go fee-for-service, the funding aspect and the manpower problems that they had all through the 90s and early 2000s, that part of the problem will no longer exist. The third component then is the actual field operating structure, the PSI function at the headquarters. There was something called the PIC, Personnel Investigation Center at DSS, where they had case analysts. And each case analyst was responsible for a very, very large number of investigations. So they were like the pivot person and they would interact with field investigators on the really problematic cases to ensure that the cases were completed properly, the all of the investigative elements of the case were, were in the hands of the right investigator to do. If they create that again, everything gets fed into that center and there's one person that the investigator can interact with to make sure everything is being done properly on the investigation. I, I think that would improve things tremendously. Having contract investigation companies doing that function, then feeding the case over to, say, DSS, basically to rubber stamp and send to the customers, I don't think is, is going to be a very good way of doing things. From what I've seen of the DOD plan so far, they don't look different from how MBIV is currently conducting things. The plan is you know, similar, a mix of federal and contract workers, establishing a defense working capital fund to finance the workload It's hard to wrap my head around, we had DSS doing this function, then we had OPM doing it, the same things, the same things happened under MBIB has happened under DSS. Now we're going to give DSS another chance to do it, but they're basically going to be doing the same thing that MBIB does, only under a different office. I don't think that they have much of a choice initially. To get started, they're just going to have to transfer the personnel and the function back over to DSS to really make major changes they have, because you can't interrupt the service and you can't create an organization, take months to create a field structure in an organization. It's like buying a house and not moving into it and living in a, you know someplace else for a while. It gets really expensive. They're going to have to accept it as it exists 
operate it in that mode, and then gradually make the changes that I would hope they would make to improve the, the overall operation. And so what do you think if this plan moves forward and the phase transfer starts, could we see longer clearance processing times as we're going through this transfer? That is my concern right now. We have, you know, a one, sometimes two year wait for a complicated TS investigation now. When once they start transferring, I'm a little worried for those investigations. You know, they say MBIB will finish the backlog that it currently has. Um, But as DSS gets gets up and running, I just, I do get a little concerned about processing times. It's going to depend on how the transfer occurs. Because the bulk of the investigations are done by contractors rather than by federal employees, it shouldn't be very difficult to transfer the function over because the contractor can work for two different entities at the same time. Keypoint Government Solutions, they can do cases that currently exist for OPM and report back the results of those investigations to OPM. They can accept new cases from DSS and work on those at the same time using the same resources that they have right now. Basically, DSS will start with zero cases and then they'll just start accepting new investigative requests and feed those out to the contract investigative firms and their own personnel. I would think that DSS would start out with zero backlog. There's going to have to be a decision made about how to prioritize the cases that exist. A big issue right now is the inconsistency in processing times. And that's always frustrating for the personnel and the candidates, as you see on our side, that contact us and say, hey, you know, I have a coworker. We're sitting in the same desk. We're in the same region. They submitted their investigation four months after me and already have their clearance and I'm sitting here. And obviously DSS comes in, they're going to have their investigations. What if all those investigations move to the top of the pile? You're the poor schmuck who submitted yours through MBIB six months ago and now... The new contract and the new dollars that are coming in take precedence over what's already on your desk. That's an agreement that's going to have to be ironed out between uh, DSS and NBIB as to uh, how these cases are going to get prioritized, the new ones coming in and, and the, the ones that currently exist. And you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to come up with some type of equitable solution, you know, that the uh, applicants aren't unfairly treated. And as far as the transition is concerned, you know, the, since most of the cases are being done by contractors, there shouldn't be an interruption in the cases being worked on in the, in the field. Now, bear in mind that two-thirds of the clearance investigations are for secret clearances. For secret clearances, there's very little field investigative work. About 25% of the secret clearance investigations wind up getting expanded for additional work which would involve field work, but 75% of the secret clearances are going to be processed with minimal field investigation involvement. What the contract investigation service providers do, I, I don't think it's, they're going to be affected as dramatically as you know one would think because of the, the switchover. You have to keep in mind that for industry, industry proportions are a lot different than military proportions in terms of secret and top secret clearances. Industry has probably more than 50% top secret, whereas the military services probably only have about 25%. So the field investigative work is much greater for industry cases than it is for the military. So their industry is always impacted more by the workload in the field than the military is. What you talked about, people in the, in the same office having much different results in, in turnaround time. You know, when there's five different investigative agencies, each one with a, a slightly different backlog of cases and then uh, field investigators in the same area with different caseloads 
yeah, there, there's going to be major differences in turnaround times. And then you add to that the differences in issues in the cases that, you know, then that really adds to the significance and the differences for completing these investigations. If you had a system where all investigations were actually done by one investigative agency, even with contracting, as I mentioned, where the contractors are controlled by the, the field offices, those differences in turnaround times would disappear. The only factor that would affect the turnaround time then would be the region in which the investigation was being conducted and the difference in the issues in the cases. But if they're, you know, if the supervisors are doing their job properly and monitoring suspense states, even the issues uh, shouldn't have that significant an effect on the turnaround time unless they get into overseas work. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that if DOD is able to do the personnel security and investigations once again, that they'll avoid the mistakes that they made in the late 1990s, actually be able to produce a better quality product in a more timely manner. They, they learned from their experiences before, and we can have hope that, <laughs> that they will, anytime there is change, there is opportunity to actually do things differently. And certainly I well, think that as well, but there's, mm-hmm. government has an amazing way of preserving its own bureaucracy, it seems. Right. There is a possibility of simplifying the investigation, making it less costly, reducing the field investigative component uh, so that the, the cases can be processed faster. It's going to take some work to get everybody to agree to it. And then we might actually see these, these processing times improve, I think, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, as long as if you can, if you can reduce the, the amount of work for a top secret and top secret SCI investigation, you can certainly reduce the field turnaround time. The case expansions, the better job you do in continuous evaluation, the more secret cases are going to be expanded. And when they expand those cases, there's going to be more field involvement, which is good. Field investigators' time, if they do this the way I would like them to do it, field investigators' time will, will be focused more on issue cases than non-issue cases. The people that we don't need to worry about are going to get processed a lot faster with less field investigator involvement, and the people that we do need to worry about are going to get a lot more attention from field investigators, and that's the way it ought to be. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Security Clearance Podcast. Please visit news.clearancejobs.com for more security clearance news, insights, and information. Have a great day.